Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Open your Bibles up right now to Isaiah 43. This will be the first passage I'm going to read from. And we're in a series right now called Planted. We've talked about being planted together in the, in the house of the Lord. We've talked about being planted in our personal lives. Last week, we talked about being planted in the ordinary moments of life. I think all that's really helpful for us. And, and today, we're going to be talking about being planted together in community. And let me just start off by saying, the Christian life is never less than our personal relationship. I mean, we've got, a, we've got a personal relationship that's very important. It's never less than that, but it is more than that. It's always more than that. and was always intended to be more than that. Not just a personal thing, me and Jesus, but a, pers- a, a, a thing that's personal, but also it together in community. Church life together, in the house of the Lord together, in community, in relationships, and our life together surprise, you're going to find this is a newsflash, has been tested together. It has been tested a bit in this last year, right? It's been, it's, it's, there's been trials we've had to go through and different kinds of change. But hey, I am so very thankful for our church, church family. The Lord is helping us. He's leading us, and He's leading us together. I've had a number of conversations this past week where people have given me this, this word. Different people in the church and outside of the church have given me, I, I must have a bullseye for Isaiah 43 on me. You know, like, God's leading us through the desert. He's leading us through the desert. He's leading us through the desert. He's doing a new thing. So turn there, if you would, in your Bibles. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'd gotten that word three times, and then somebody gave me an addendum to that word and said, and don't forget Isaiah 43 verses, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 41 verses 18 and 19. And I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and parched ground into springs. And I will put in the desert, check it out, plantings, the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers in the wasteland and the fir and the cypress together. And here we are. We've been talking about being planted together. And there's this word about streams and the desert and the wasteland and being planted together. And it's so very important for us as a church family to understand that in seasons of trial, the Lord leads the church. He, he is leading us. And we, don't, we, we can be confident that he is absolutely leading us together as his people. Just like in the book of Acts, he led his people through every persecution, every trial, and he's been doing it for 2,000 years. He's leading the church through all the trials. He's not leaving us. He's not forsaking us. He's got us. And, I, you know, there are so many stories in different parts of the world, different kind of, kinds of trials where the Lord has led his people. The Chinese church is continually being led through persecution, trials, difficulties. I was on the phone with a, a mentor friend yesterday, John Brown from Georgia, and, and we were talking about different ways that the Lord had led the Chinese church through trials. And, and, and one of those things was uh, when the pressure is really on, persecution is really on, the, they would not publicize when their next meeting was. They would just have to 
follow the Spirit. They would have to be led by the Lord into that next meeting. Sometimes out in the woods in the middle of the night, a clearing, they were just led by the Spirit to go there, and then believers start showing up. One of my favorites is hearing about people being led to get in a rowboat and start rowing on just like the Lord said, get in the boat and start rowing. And they get out into the middle of the lake at midnight and a fog descends on them and other believers start showing up and they're able to worship the Lord in the middle of the night. You know, and I'm just saying, if the Lord can do that, He can lead us through this time, parking lot, inside, all different kinds of things, college nights and worship nights and young adults and all the different ways we're gathering in life groups and Zooms and all these things. He can lead us forward and He will. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 92, this is where we started off and let's go there. Just all this is introduction. Um, Psalm 92, the righteous... Verse 12, will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God, and they will still bear fruit in old age. Anybody give me a cheer that's over 30? (laughs) Come on. They uh, They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. So first of all, let me just say the righteous will flourish. The righteous, we talk about this from time to time, but I just want to say the righteous are those who are right with God, right with God and right with themselves. You know, I think one of the things the Lord's doing right now during this time is helping us get right in our own hearts with ourselves, getting into alignment with the Lord and with integrity in our own hearts. It's a good word, right? So righteous with God, with ourselves, with one another, living in right relationship with one another and with those who don't yet know the Lord. So, and then he says, and they are planted in the house of the Lord. So check it out. They are planted. There's, there's only one house of the Lord. There's not many houses of the Lord. Okay. Go ahead. Just, we got to, you got to hear that. It's like, we are one house. We are one body. We are one people. The God, God has a people that are his people. He's coming for a people. Christ and the church and the glory of God is this message that just burns in our hearts as the people of God here in this place at Antioch. So it's, it's huge. It's the heart of the gospel. It's the heart of the cross that God made people to be one. One people together. And we need to hear this word from every tribe and language and nation and tongue and ethnicity and education level and background and economic situation and all that. One people. All around the globe, one people together. The wall of hostility is down. So that's, that's part of what happened in the cross. And so where I'm going to go is Ephesians. So let's just go ahead and flip over to Ephesians. And I want to keep reading Scripture. Is that okay? So keep reading Scripture, Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verse 14. So this, this, what I want to see is Jesus died on the cross not just to make us right with God. He did that so that we could be forgiven. And we proclaim forgiveness of sins through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he also died in the cross, in the atonement, to make us one people. The world over, all the different backgrounds and things to make us one people. It says for, in verse 14, for he himself is our peace. He made the two groups one. Now, 
Jews and Gentiles is kind of code for everybody because the Jews were marked off as a separate people through whom God would work and bring salvation and blessing to all the nations. So the Jews were really, they, they were really marked out in such a distinct way from all other peoples, and yet God made them one together. And all us other peoples were included in their promises. So the Jews and Gentiles together in his one body, the two groups. He made the two groups one, verse 14, and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself, in Christ, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. That is super good news. And, it, and in the process of doing that, what Paul goes on to say is, He's building a house, and it's one house. It's not many houses. And we can, you know, we can get all kinds of crazy thoughts about that house, or we're the right house, and the other houses aren't really houses. You know, it's like Max Lucado telling that funny story about the ship, you know, the, the ship, and Jesus is the captain, and you got all different kinds of people on the ship. You got those up dancing on the front of the bow with the flags, and the happy, it's code for charismatic kind of folks. And then you've got people on the side over here debating whether or not you can actually fall off the ship. Is that even possible? Can you fall off the ship if you're on the ship? But if you fall off the ship, maybe you never were, really were on the ship. You know, so you've got all these debates going on and things, and you can do that with the house too. You can go, we're the only room in the house, or we're the only house, and those kinds of things. And so God comes along through Paul here, through the Spirit, and says, consequently, there's one house. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household, built on the foundation of the, the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and becomes a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And this is, this is such good news. You know, what Paul goes on to say there is this used to be hidden. It was a mystery that Jews and Gentiles were going to live together in unity, that all the nations would be together. It, it, was, it was hidden. But now Paul says in the beginning of chapter 3, it's been revealed to the apostles, to the prophets. And this mystery, I've been given this by special revelation. And so I'm preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I'm preaching how this gets out through the church, the eternal purpose of God to make known God's wisdom on the earth through men and women who walk together in unity and love and peace in these life-giving groups we call the church and community together. And so Paul says, this is incredible, and I want you to grasp this thing. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And I want you to know and grow up into the fullness of God. It just That you would just give glory to this one who's able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. And his power that's working in us, in us right now, ah, that you'd see it. 
and walk in it. And to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. That's us forever and ever. Amen. Now I've been, I've been just, I've been on repeat on this song. I'm just, this is free. I didn't throw this in the notes, but write, don't look it up right now, but write down Judah. J-U-D-A-H. Fullness of God. I've been playing it on repeat for 12 days and it's just scripture. There's some awkward phrases because it's hard to say immeasurably more in, in a song lyric, but, it, but it's in there. And it's just so good. And it will stir your heart. You may not like it's got some slightly overdriven guitars, which is awesome. And, uh, but I've just been meditating on that. So, so that's a good thing to walk around singing. Uh, him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine to him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. That's a good thing. So then, Ephesians then switches into, like a lot of the letters uh, do, Ephesians then switches into uh, a, a practical kind of mode. The next chapters are about walking this thing out, working this thing out. And I don't, just before we get to chapter four, that's where we're going today. And I, I don't know that I need to say a lot about this. Um, about why this is important, but I, I just want to say, first of all, we are kingdom people. And Jesus came to bring a kingdom. He came to bring the reign of God on the earth. And so when he goes out proclaiming the gospel, it, it, some, it sometimes sounds foreign because we think he came to bring a personal salvation to us, and it's primarily about that, so that we can go to heaven one day. And you, when you don't read that, when you read the gospels, because you don't read that, because it's not there, it's not the emphasis. It's not untrue. It's just not the emphasis. What you read is, today, the gospel's being preached to you. The kingdom of God is at hand. Get your life in order with that kingdom, that reign. Yeah. And that's, that's the good news, yeah. is that he's brought the reign of God. He's broken in and brought the reign of God right here on the earth. And that started in him, in his incarnation, in his life, in ministry, in death, and resurrection, and ascension, and return, his glorious return, where there will be no separation between heaven and earth. And this is the gospel that we believe, that he died for our sins, that he's been raised again by the power of God, that he is coming again, that his life is in us, and he's coming again. And we put our faith in him, Jesus Christ, who is Lord. And yet we live in this tension place between what is coming, the kingdom of God that is broken into the now, this evil, this current present evil age. And we live right here in this, in this space, the in-between space where there's injustice and war and oppression and violence and all this stuff. And he's bringing justice and, and no more wars. People loving each other the world over. That is broken back into this present age. And we live in that tension, the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Everybody understand? It's, it's, it's just huge that we understand this on so many different levels. It's just because there's two kingdoms. And we act like there's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of the world and maybe there's the kingdom of America. I'm getting off my notes right now, but just, just, we want to live as people under the reign of King Jesus. We want to express his life, his love, his peace, what he's like. And, you know, I feel like sometimes we get really surprised when we see brokenness or sin. 
especially in other people. Oh, that's so sinful. That's so broken. That, that I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they wrote that, posted that, or living that way. And then in humility, we ultimately, as we grow older, we see it in ourselves. Our own brokenness, our own sin, our own messed up thinking, our own selfishness, our own lie-believing Yes, the, those tendencies to believe and live out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is the fall of man. And it's what I think, in my opinions. Lord, help us. Oh, God, help us. And so what I'm trying to say this morning is that we are planted together in community. Main thing. We're planted together in community, and God plans for us to grow up into the full stature of Christ. Amen. Okay? So this is where it's going. So I want you to, as we read uh, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, I want you to look for these three things. There's so much that can be said. I mean, series, multiple series can be preached out of this, this one passage I'm going over. But look for unity, look for baptism, and look for maturity. Unity, baptism, and maturity. Lord, would you bless the reading of your word? As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I'm sorry, I just have this uh, back of my head here. Just if you'd stand up for the reading of the word. Even in your living rooms, wherever you're watching. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But to each of us, each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become mature in every respect and be the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament and grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the Word of God, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Y'all have a seat. Okay, so the first thought here is to keep the unity, 
Keep the unity. He says, make, make every effort to keep the unity. And so, as we look at this, just, let's work our way through a few of these, these phrases. So, as a prisoner, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. So, the word worthy is the word axios in Greek. So, axios, where we get the word like axel and axiom, things like that, like a weighty saying or a, a, a load-bearing, a, a weight-carrying thing that balances weight. That's what, a, that's what an axios, that's what worthy actually means. And so the point is, your living and your calling should actually balance each other out. Live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. So we all have a calling, and, and we want to live in a way that goes in line with the calling that we've received. Does that make sense? So we all, we need that word. And then he goes on and he says, be humble and gentle. Be completely humble and gentle. Who does that sound like? Jesus. Great. You guys are so good. It's just amazing, you know. Um, What does Jesus say? He says, no one's seen the Father but the Son. And then he goes on, he says, come to me, Matthew eleven twenty eight. All you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So being humble and gentle is being like Jesus. It's, it's Jesus showing us what the Father's like, humble and gentle, Humble and gentle. And so that's the cross. That's the cross of Christ. That in power, God doesn't come and force us and put us under his thumb and put a yoke on us that's heavy. Instead, he comes with humility and comes under us to serve us, to love us. Your attitude should be like Jesus Christ, that kind of humility. That's what God's calling us. That's what the mark of us as the church, as God's people, should be during this time. Be humble and gentle, bearing with one another, patient, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And, you know, it, it's so, in times like we're living in right now, it's, 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 we're so tempted to jump in on different kinds of issues and not be bearing with one another in love. And to be like Jesus and just turning the tables over. And that's the, I've had that, that statement come to me over and over again. I just want to, I'm turning the tables over. Okay, I just, I want to just graciously help us as a father today. You know, having Jesus turn over the tables in the temple, he was doing that with people that were against him. That were against Christ. They were anti Christ. So, as brothers and sisters in the church, we're not anti-Christ. We're trying to follow Christ. We're trying to live by His life. He is he's the treasure of our souls. And so we be, it's, it's the exhortation here is to be gentle, to bear with one another, to be patient with one another. There's one house. It's not, my house is right, and you're just out of the house. We're all in the house together. We're planted together in the house of the Lord. And so he says, make every effort then to keep the unity. It's a unity that you've already been given because we share life together. 
We share the life of the Lord together. For all those who are born again who share this life, we actually share the same life, whether we like each other or not, whether we're different from each other or, you know, all our preferences and all those kind of things. We share life together. So make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's something that you've been given. And, you know, there is tension. You've been given new life from the new kingdom, but we're still, we're a mixed people, right? We're a mixture. And so later in the chapter there in verse 13, he's going to say, and until we all reach unity. So he said, you've got unity, keep it. And then he says, but we're working toward that unity, unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God. So it's something that we're pressing on toward at the same time. We've got it, but we're pressing on toward it at the same time. And, you know, and it's not, you know, I, you can say unity in the faith or you can say unity of the faith. And I think unity of the faith is actually a little bit more helpful to us because if we think unity in the faith, are we trying to dictate that everybody believe exactly the same thing? Or are we trying to say, believe in the way Jesus believes? Unity of the faith, of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, and of the knowledge of His mind. We're supposed to, so the unit where we really experience this in our experience is when we have the mind of Christ together. When we're led by the Spirit, like the Chinese Christians out into the woods in the middle of the night to a clearing, and there other believers start showing up. The mind of Christ, the way of the Spirit walking together, you know, and so, uh, you know, we, we live in this part of the disunity that we experience is that we are in this place of tension between what is true and what we're called to live out in our experience. The, the reality is up at the front, and here we are, Lord, help us get into line with that reality, the way things really are in you, in Christ, together. We're called to live into it. So that's the first piece there. Keep the unity. Second piece. Everybody doing okay? So second piece. Remember your baptism. Remember your baptism. Remember last week I started out with, before I do that, let me just say on, on the ones, these one statements, because there's seven of them. You could just preach this all day long. There's one body, one spirit, one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's in all and through all. Okay? But, but this one body, let me just say this about the one body. Our critiques of the body of Christ are a critique against ourselves. So, so our critiques of the body of Christ are a critique of ourselves because we're one body. So if I'm a hand that's like going... You know, and just pointing out different, the knee over here, I'll just point you out right now. I point you out. It's, but it's the same knee, it's the same hand, it's the same, it's, it's the same body. We're one, but we're not two. A, a body part disconnected from the body is dead. It doesn't live if the hand is, you know, it's like this. And it's actually kind of creepy, a, a disconnected hand. Yeah, it's like, ugh, you know? So we're one body together. Same house, same body, same bride, same building. Amen. Amen. 
And these, uh, I just want to focus on the, the, the baptism. All those statements are powerful. The hope, oh man, that he's coming again. Our hope is in him. But uh, remember last week, I talked about Martin Luther. I'd come across this quote, Martin Luther, how to start your day, how to have a quiet time with God. Get up, do the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then remember your baptism. So now we're up to about 12 days of doing that, and massive change has already happened in our lives. Now, I, I really try to resist the urge to double-dog dare. It just... But I, I, I want to... <laughs> I'm not going to double-dog dare you, but I want to encourage you lovingly to remember your baptism. And it'll change your life. Now, I was so stirred up about this on Friday. I, I literally... I was walking around in my study at the house, and I was praying, and suddenly this... I was remembering my baptism, and a liturgy started coming out of my mouth. And I knew I had to write it down. I, I knew that it was, it was anointed, at least for me. And so I, I wrote it down. And I'm just this can be something you say. You can use it or not. Sit, put it in your own words. You'll notice if you're... It's Scripture, right? I remember my baptism. I've been saying it. I remember my baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I remember my baptism, that I'm united with Christ in His death and in His life. And that my old self was crucified with him, and that I am now counting myself to dead, uh, dead to sin and alive to him. I remember my baptism, that I am forgiven and that my sins are washed away. I remember my baptism, that my self-ruled flesh has been cut away with a circumcision done by Christ. I remember my baptism, that I am clothed with Christ and I am one with all brothers and sisters around the world and through the years. I remember that Christ is my very life and that I am being conformed to His image. I remember my baptism and today I want to live that way. Now, there's power in those words because there's, it's the truth. It's the truth. I mean, I, I found myself, you know, just even in the last few days as I, after I wrote that down, just thinking about my brothers and sisters, I'm one with them because I, I'm, we all had the same baptism. There's one baptism. And, and, and so we're one. Around the world, different nations, and they do, it doesn't even look like this. It, it looks all different kinds of ways. And you got robe wearing, jean wearing, robe, uh, uh, different kind of outfits and hats and skinny. These are not skinny, but skinnier than I used to wear. <laughs> Just all different flavors and stripes. But we're one with the brothers and sisters around the world. And through the years, I was in this incredible meditation yesterday. I was thinking about Irenaeus, and I'm one with him. Just, it was just blowing my mind, just thinking about, he just battled all kinds of bizarre Gnostic heresies about the different levels of demagogues and stuff. People were saying this was a part of the gospel, and, and he was coming in going, no, it's about scripture, it's about the tradition that's been passed down from the apostles to us. He died in 190, so it's like pretty early on. I mean, Irenaeus was a direct, he was a disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of the apostle John. Yeah, yeah, like you got to the little disciple lines, you know, hey, you know, he had a big impact on my life. Really? Who had an impact on his life? The Apostle John. You know, pretty cool. But uh, just, just thinking about that and just being encouraged and stirred up, just like, 
Who would you like to have some fellowship with? You can. You know, learn from them. What did they learn? Learn the things they learned. Be, be sharpened by them. Dwight Moody, Charles Finney, Jonathan Edwards, yeah. Amy Carmichael, Watchman Nee. We can do this a long time. Martin Luther King Jr. Emmanuel Katangale is a Rwandan brother. And he wrote a little book called The Mirror, of the Ch- Mirror to the Church, and it's about the Rwandan genocide. And one of the things he, he points out in there was he said, our baptismal in Rwanda, our baptismal identity was more shallow than our cultural and political identity. Now, Rwanda was 96% Christian, was the poster child for worldwide missions, in evangelism, because missionaries had gone in there, won basically the entire country to the Lord. Everybody's a Christian. Four percent is like, you know, you could throw a rock in a pile of people and hit a Christian. You know, you're not going to hit a non-Christian. You don't want to hit anybody. That's a weird <laughs> example. Um, there's a phrase like that that I don't. That I messed it up. But his point was that. You know, when stuff started going down and got hot politically, I mean, they, the first conflict between the Hutu and Tutsis was in 59. So it's not like this deep-seated, long-running conflict. It was pretty recent. And then as the cultural stuff started stirring up and the political stuff started stirring up, that, he said, was deeper than the level of our baptism, our baptismal identity. And I just like, talk about a word for the United States I mean, it's only 160 years ago that we were killing each other. So this is like, come on, Lord, do this. Help us in the power, in the name, the power of the Spirit, the name of Jesus to remember our baptism. The third thing then is to grow to maturity together. The maturity is, maturity is what we're going for. So he says in verse 13, you know, grow up in the knowledge and the faith or of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then there again in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, in every respect, the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. So we want to we grow up. We want to uh, have the faith of Jesus, have the knowledge of Jesus, have that kind of expectation in our midst, to believe like he believes, to love like he loves, to have his humility, to have his knowledge in us, the words of Jesus, the truth, and the way of Jesus, the love. It's not one or the other, it's, it's both. I want to speak the truth, and I want to do it in a spirit of humility and of love. And and here's the father piece. I've just been praying this, and, and it was spoken, I had a prophetic brother, pastor of another church, speak this over me the other day about just being a father, and I've just been thinking about that. And I suppose I'm old enough now to maybe embrace, <laughs> embrace that kind of a word even more, but I just want to encourage us as a family. You know, a little later in Ephesians, Paul says, fathers, don't exasperate your children and I want to encourage you, don't, don't be exasperated. 
You know, the Lord's not going to put more on us than we can walk through in this time with the grace and power of the Spirit. But we have to turn to the Lord. We have to turn to the Lord. You know, uh, in that call yesterday with John, he said, right now there's two types of Christians in America. There are those who are discipled to a teaching or to doctrine, and there are those who are discipled to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I, I just want to encourage us that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord. We are devoting our lives to following Him, to being sheep that know the voice of the shepherd. Uh, you know, you can, you can live over here and argue about all kinds of things, or you can live over here and you can still value teach. It's not like chunk teaching, but if we don't know the voice of the Lord, we will get in a ditch and we will be broken. Um, uh, judgmental. Uh, folks, that don't know how to walk through times of crisis and trial because that's we need the voice of the Lord to lead us. And so don't be exasperated. And, and here's the thing too, because we all have different uh, layers of influence in our lives. And so don't exasperate the people that you have influence with. Yeah. And, you know, there's some of this, I just, and I know we've got a young church, but I just didn't learn some of this until my kids were teenagers. Emily's sitting right here. And, and you know, you, you learn at a certain level with little kids, but there's something about when kids become teenagers, you can't just, you can't say, well, I just, I, because I say, you know, you have to, you have to walk it out. And you can see when I've said enough for now, we've gone as far as we need, we can go. They can't go any farther in their level of maturity without just snapping. So, and, and we're all on this journey together. And, and we have to help each other. We have to not exasperate each other and be like fathers, be like family, be like brothers and sisters to do our part in love and to be the ligament and the joint that holds everything together. Whatever our role is, whatever our piece, whatever our part is, you know, the good news is that God's leading us forward. And here's, there's this, uh, Asher, if you want to come on up, there's this, uh, uh, the change process. You, a lot of you guys know I'm really into growth helix, <laughs> the change process, because a lot of things aren't just like a straight line. And so the change process is like this. Healthy things grow. And growing things, uh, they change. And changing things, they challenge us. Anybody feel challenged in the last year? Changing things challenge us, but challenging things force us to trust God in a fresh way and to obey Him in a fresh way. But when we trust and obey God in a fresh way, guess what that leads to? Health in our lives. Health in the church life. And when there's health, that leads to growth. And growth leads to change. And change leads to challenge. And challenge leads us to trust and obey God more, which leads to health in our lives. And that's the process that we find ourselves in. When we started this, I just want to finish with this, this story. When we started this, I mentioned a story from Rich Velotis about the Redwoods in California. And, you know, those 
gigantic trees don't get gigantic on their own. They don't live an isolated life. Their roots, though not very deep, are all interconnected and interlocked. So that one tree can't be blown over, you'd have to blow over the entire forest, and it's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. And we, as God's people, are planted together in community with interlocking roots. And as messy as that is sometimes, and as hard as that is, you know, it's the end that God's going for. But here's the cool thing. It's the way we get there. Like he wants us actually living it out, going low, being humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love, all of that, because there's really is one body and one spirit and one hope and one Lord and faith and one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. And that's what he's calling us to, to be planted together in community. So would you just stand up, stand up at home as well. And we just want to pray into this. Let's just respond to the Lord. Let's literally, as we're just talking about, just seek the leading of Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, King of Kings, would you lead us by your Spirit ever deeper into the unity that you've given us as your people? Help us as broken vessels to carry this life and to walk in this love, to walk in this way, the way of salvation, Lord, the way of love. Help us, Lord. Save us, Lord, from self-righteousness. mercy on us, Lord, when it creeps up, when it raises its ugly head. Keep us in the way of mercy and forgiveness. The righteous will flourish in the courts of our God, planted in the house of the Lord. show us how to live in the tension of being declared right by you but also living for what is right of being declared just by you but also living for what is just and what makes things right in the world starting here what makes things right in us but also makes things right in the world around us would help us to communicate with love and humility the way of Jesus Lord, help us to remember that we're planted together in community. Yeah, I just, I pray right now, I just want to pray just for those who are maybe struggling hearing the voice of the Lord. And just, Lord, the good news is that you've, you've promised my sheep know my voice. So Lord, help, help us to be discipled to relationship with you, King Jesus, and the God that you reveal, the relational God of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Help us, Holy Spirit, into the things of Jesus, who reveals the Father to us. Help us, Lord, as your people. And Lord, for those who are saying, I want to, I want this. I, I'm hearing this. I've not heard it like this, but I want this good news of a relationship with Jesus in my life. I want this forgiveness. I want this peace. I want this unity. I want this uh, dying to self and to sin so that I can live in righteousness and holiness. Lord, would you bring that to anyone that needs it? And Lord, for all of us, whether it's a first time or just a re-upping here, a recommitment, Lord, we just say, Jesus, we love you. We thank you for forgiveness that comes through the cross. We thank you for this new life that you've brought us into. We thank you that we don't have to stay addicted and in bondage to the things of the past and the, that, the, that old Adam, but that you've brought us into new life and new freedom, a, a wonderful forgiveness. And in that process, you brought us into relationship with your bride, the church, the community of God, the people of, the, of God in this place, but in the city and around the world. Lord, whether the others, different stripes and flavors and things, whether they believe it or not, we are one. Whether we believe it or not, we are one. Those who proclaim that Jesus is the King and Jesus is the Lord. All of heaven and all of earth, all authority has been given to you. We worship you. We love you. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Make wrong things right. Heal. Deliver. Set free. Make things right on planet earth. Where there's injustice, bring justice. Where there's sin and brokenness, bring a set-apart holiness and forgiveness. We love you, Lord. We love you. And Lord, as an expression of that love, we love one another. With all of our foibles, flaws, we love one another. Help us, Lord, in the days ahead to live this out, that we are planted together in community. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the Lord bless you, brothers and sisters, saints of God. That's who you are. Loved by God. That's who you are. Not, not, not who you will be or should be. He loves you right now. Right now. Let's go be kingdom people. In Jesus' name, amen.